means I just don't have to work so hard. Good evening. It's good to be with you. I bring greetings from the community of Lakeland and Orlando, which I'm a part of, our brothers and sisters from St. Joseph's Church and the Diocese of Orlando, which I work in. We, we are praying with you and, and praying that the grace of God will come over all of us as we spend time before the Lord our God in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. So what is a sacred concert? A sacred concert is music that's holy. I guess that's the best definition I can give. And um, in your worship aid that you have, you have the program, it has all these little words there. So I don't, I don't do things on my own. I believe in community. I mean, I'm a Franciscan, so that's sort of how, that's part of the, that's part of it. So I'm, I'm going to invite you to sing along with me tonight um, and, and to be part of the concert. Are you okay with that? Uh, yeah? Okay, good. So I'm going to uh, go right to the first song, which is the Canticle of the Creatures. So Francis of Assisi, most of the time we think of Francis like this and a little couple squirrels and maybe a lamb and a couple birds on his shoulder. And uh, so that's how we imagine Francis. And there's some reason for that because Francis loved creation and creation loved Francis. And so toward the end of his life, he wrote this canticle of the creatures to honor God and all that he has created and all that he was creating and is creating. Because Francis gave up everything to follow Jesus and to be passionately in love with Jesus, Francis, in the end of his life, received everything back as a gift, including creation, the stars, the moon, even Sister Death. So um, I'm going to sing a little song called The Canticle of the Creatures. You have the refrain. Uh, the way that I like to work is I'll sing it first. It'll be just like the responsorial song. I'll sing it once and then invite you to sing along with me, and then we'll, we'll go as we go. But I want us to keep in mind as we sing these songs, these words have power. And we want to be open to how the Spirit wants to work with the words that we sing. Because what we sing, we can become and especially in the presence of Jesus. Who knows how Jesus will transform us tonight and Monday and Tuesday as we are in his presence, honoring him, loving him, and allowing him to honor and love us. Praise be to you, Lord God, God of heaven, God of the earth. Let us rejoice with all creation. Let us rejoice, rejoice, and be glad. Let's sing that together. Praise be to you, Lord God, God of heaven, God of the earth. Let us rejoice with all creation. 
Let us rejoice, rejoice and be glad. For brother sun, we praise you. For sister moon, we praise you. For shining stars that are so bright, we praise you, Lord of all. Praise be to you, Lord God, God of heaven, God of the earth. Let us rejoice with all. Let us rejoice, rejoice, and be glad. For brother wind, we praise you. For all forms of weather, we praise you. For water and earth, for fire and light, we praise you, Lord of all. Praise be to you, Lord God, God of heaven, God of the earth. Let us rejoice with all creation. Let us rejoice, rejoice, and be glad. For birds of the air, we praise you. For all that swims in the waters, for living creatures, great and small, we praise you, Lord of all. Praise be to you, Lord God, God of heaven, God of the earth. Let us rejoice with all creation. Let us rejoice, rejoice, and be glad. Praise be to you for lovers of truth, for those who bear infirmity, for those who bring peace, for those who do justice. We praise you, Lord of all. Praise be to you, Lord God, God of heaven, God of the earth. Let us rejoice with all creation. Let us rejoice, rejoice, and be glad. Praise be to you for sister death, from whom no one can escape. Blessed are those who live your will. Death can do no harm. Praise be to you, Lord God, God of heaven, God of the earth. Let us rejoice with all creation. Let us rejoice, rejoice, and be glad. So Francis of Assisi has lots to give to us. Because God has created all things for us and for us to delight in. Even when we read the book of Genesis, God said, God made, and it was. There we go. And Francis believed that and lived that. And when you hear the canticle, I can almost see the larks in Assisi. And I can see the down Umbrian Valley and see the poppies blooming in the spring and all of these are things that Francis saw and took in and saw those as gift, not to be taken for granted but to be given back to God 
with joy and with thanksgiving. And so that's what a 13th century saint can teach us about creation, about how much God loves us and how much he wants us to take pleasure in the gifts that he has given, including one another. Since Jesus himself, as we had said earlier, 11 o'clock mass, Jesus is the body. Of, and we who take Jesus in become the body of Christ. And therefore, we are brothers and sisters and we are a body for one another. So we are the body of Christ, as St. Paul tells us in Corinthians. We are the body. Now, Francis loved Jesus, as I said, so well. And there's lots of stories I can tell you about, and I want to share with you, about Claire and about Francis. But one of the things about Francis that we need to take stock and make clear is that he loved Jesus more than anything else, anyone else. And his whole life was searching for that treasure of great price, as we hear in the gospel. Where is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who am I? Uh, a brother Leo, who was a Conrad of Francis, used to say that one day he spied on Francis praying. He wanted to see what prayers, because Francis was so holy, he wanted to know what is the secret. You know, if you ever met a holy person, do you ever ask that question? What's the secret? And he said that he watched Francis at night in the cave up at Mount Sabazio, which is where Assisi uh, rests. And all he heard was this. My Lord and my God, my God and my all. Deus meus et omnia. That's Latin. He didn't say it in English. He didn't say it in Latin either. He said it in Italian, of which I cannot speak. <laughs> but over and over again, my Lord and my God, my God and my all, my Lord and my God, my God and my all. Can you imagine? That's the prayer that Francis prayed. And as he prayed this, it allowed him to be transformed. It allowed God to enter into the very depths of his being so that he could be transformed more and more in the likeness of Jesus and the likeness of God. Isn't that wonderful? Now, can we do the same thing? Absolutely. Jesus calls us constantly to be in union with him. It's his heart's desire. It was his passion. That's why he died on the cross, so that we could be with him always. As Paul tells us, Jesus died once for all. Once for all. That's us. How do we get holy? It doesn't have to be complicated. My Lord and my God, my God and my all. So I wrote a little song based on that prayer would you sing it along with me? It'll be real simple. I promise. My Lord and my God, my God and my all, O 
open my heart to do your will, my Lord and my God, my God and my all. Open your, my heart to do your will. Let's do that together. My Lord and my God, my God and my all, open my heart to do your will. My Lord and my God, my God and my all, open my heart to do your will. Open my heart to Listen to your word, open my ears to hear your voice, my Lord and my God, my God and my all, open my heart to do your will, my Lord and my God, my God and my all, open my heart to do Give us your mind to understand your will. Help us this day to bring you joy. My Lord and my God, my God and my all, open my heart to do your will. My Lord and my God, my God and my all, open my heart. us to love as you love, O oh Lord. Teach us to forgive as you forgive. My Lord and my God, my God and my time. My Lord and my God, my God and my all, open my heart to do your will. My Lord and my God, my God and my all, open my heart to do your will. Wow, you sound so wonderful. I want you to come to Lakeland and join the choir. <laughs> Did you do that? So this simple prayer, but what Leo didn't understand was, as Francis was praying this prayer, lots of things were coming to mind for Francis. Francis was ever aware of his humanness and his need for Jesus. That's the beauty of the, of the theology of incarnation. Francis knew that he needed Jesus. But Jesus also needed him to be able to go out into the world and to say to the people, you need Jesus. But in order to be able to do that, Francis needed to become aware of who he was. And that was the beautiful thing about the prayer. He knew 
that Jesus and God and the Spirit were all that he needed in order to be empowered to go out into the world and to proclaim the gospel. See, Franciscan spirituality is about living the gospel radically. It's actually taking the gospel and attempting to live it as Jesus shared with his disciples. And Francis, well, San Damiano, I need to talk about San Damiano for a minute. Because see, Francis' whole life began, his conversion began at San Damiano. San Damiano was a broken down church in the plains below Assisi. And Francis was confused as to what it was that he was supposed to do. So he went into this church and had visited it many times. And this beautiful cross, which hung in the ruins, Francis reflected on. He reflected on Jesus on the cross. And do you know what happened? One day, Francis went to that place and prayed, perhaps using that prayer, my Lord and my God, my God and my all. And the cross spoke to him and said, Francis, go and rebuild my church for you see it is falling down. Francis was so excited that he finally got the message. He heard God speak to him in the cross. Jesus spoke to him and said, go and rebuild my church, for you see it is falling down. So Francis jumped out. I would have been scared to death. I would have ran out of San Damiano, okay? That would have, I mean, that's just a little more than I could handle personally. But Jesus like, no, no, no. Francis like, no. I know what I'm supposed to do now. Now I know. I'm supposed to rebuild San Damiano. But really, what Francis should have heard, and it was revealed to Francis over the years, that he was to reform the whole church, not just San Damiano. And how did Francis do it? Small things with great love, as St. Teresa of Calcutta, one of her great phrases. Brick by brick and stone by stone, he rebuilt San Damiano, and in the process of rebuilding San Damiano, he rebuilt his own image in the likeness of Jesus by following him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that exciting? And so the message then for all of us is that we need to go out and rebuild the church. And we rebuild it small things with great love. Because the secret to our life with Jesus is love because it was love that brought him to the cross it was love that brought him into being and it is love that he gives to us unconditionally to go out 
into the world and be that love for one another and for a world who desperately needs love. So I think in the little book there we have that small things with great love. Is it on there? Is that like the next one? If it's not, good. I'm not crazy. Okay. Okay. I'm going to skip around a little bit because I only want you to be here for an hour. I don't want you to be here forever unless you want to be. I mean, that's. Um, so the song goes like this. <clears throat> Again, this is another wonderful little prayer that we can do. Like, you know, my Lord and my God and my God and my all. We can pray this prayer as well. Small things with great love. Jesus asks this of me to do small things with great love. And it goes like this. This is written by a friend of mine, Jim Hughes. Him and I work together. Uh, we do concerts. And when he wrote this, and he said, I want, is it okay if we like do this? And I said, absolutely. And um, now you'll, hear, you'll get to hear how it goes. together. Small things, great love. Jesus asked this of me to do small things with great love. Jesus asked this of me. Do it again. Small things, great love. Jesus asked this of me to do small Jesus asks this of me, sharing drink with those who thirst, Jesus asks this of me, small things, great love, Jesus asks this of me, to do small things with great love, Jesus asks this of me. Small things, great love. Jesus asks us of me to do small things with great love. Jesus asks us of me. Give your coat when someone is cold. Jesus asks us of me. Give your shoes to one without, Jesus asks this of me. Small things, great love, Jesus asks this of me. To do small things with great love, Jesus asks this of me. Small things, great love. Jesus asks this of me to do small things with great love. Jesus. 
wonderful mantra, a way to pray and to remember you know, small things with great love. It doesn't have to be a lot. It could be something as simple as letting the car in front of you actually go in front of you uh, and not push them. Or um, saying something nice to someone just for no reason. Small things out of love. Why? Because we love Jesus so much. We care for Jesus so much. We care for one another so much here at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton that we want to go out and share that love. It's real, isn't it? I think it's wonderful that the cross is right above the Eucharist because we cannot have Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar without seeing him outstretched. Claire. Claire of Assisi was a little bit old, younger than Francis. Now she was built of no, nobility. She was born of nobility in Assisi. So she had a place, sort of like Downton Abbey kind of thing. Um, but one day she heard Francis preach at San Rufino in Assisi. And she was struck by the words that he spoke, the clarity. Now, she had already lived in a household that was pretty holy. Her mom and her sisters and her cousins lived a very simple life, even though they were noble. They chose to live simply. But when she heard Francis talk about Jesus and about living a radical life of the gospel, her heart was burning with desire to live that way. She wanted to give her whole being for the love of Jesus. So one night, she, um, I don't want to say she escaped her home, but she left her home, went to the Portsioncola, which was the little church down in the plain in Assisi, and there she pledged her love to Jesus in front of Francis and the brothers and wound up becoming a person totally dedicated to the life of evangelical, the evangelical life, the life of the gospel. Now, you have to know at the time, um, there were Benedictine sisters and there were um, Augustinian sisters, and so the hierarchy wanted them to be, the, the poor Claire's is what they're called, or the poor ladies. They, they wanted, the hierarchy wanted them to be like that. And you would think uh, a person who was following Jesus would be meek and mild and say, oh, well, whatever you want. But Claire was so insistent on wanting to live the radical life of the gospel like Francis, she said, uh, 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 no, thank you. I don't want to be an Augustinian sister. I do not want to be a Benedictine. I want to follow Jesus and the gospel like Francis. And she held out. And I mean, she was a strong person. She held out. And the day before she died, she finally got the bull, which is like the, not like a horn bull, but like the bull from, from the Pope saying that it's okay for her to live in poverty and the sisters 
at San Damiano to follow Jesus radically in the gospel. Claire used the image of the mirror. In the Middle Ages, the mirror was becoming a popular thing that people could look, in the, and look at themselves and see what they look like. But for Claire, the image that she would see in the mirror was really Jesus. And she marveled and said to the sisters, Oh, you must be the mirror of perfection. And who is perfect but Jesus himself? And so they would live their life radically by looking at the image of Jesus and trying the best they could to live that life. So I was asked by the Lutheran Franciscans, now remember, I'm an ecumenical Franciscan. Am I Catholic? Absolutely. To the core Catholic, or Father wouldn't have asked me to come. But I belong to an ecumenical community where I have brothers and sisters who are Methodists and Quakers and uh, Presbyterians and Baptists and even non-denominationalists. And so uh, the Lutherans uh, are good friends of mine, and they asked me to write some music for their community, the Lutheran Franciscans. And so I wrote this song for them that they use in their Liturgy of the Eucharist. And it's using the text from St. Clair, Mirror of Perfection. I'd like to share that with you. But as we sing the words and we hear the words, allow those to permeate and imagine a woman in the... Now, this is a woman living in the 13th century with this kind of boldness and this kind of hunger to be as close to Jesus as she could. Place your mind before the mirror of eternity. Place your soul in the brilliance of God's glory. Let's sing that together. Place your mind before the mirror of eternity. Place your soul in the brilliance of God's glory. We offer our hearts to the Lord of all creation and are transformed by God's reflection of mercy. Place your mind before the mirror of eternity. Place your soul in the brilliance of God's glory. We are now friends of God. We know the secrets of angels, their feelings of joy. Place your mind before the mirror of eternity. Place your soul in the 
God's glory. We taste the hidden sweetness that God has reserved from the start for those beloved of God, for those beloved of God. Place your mind before the mirror of eternity. Place your soul in the brilliance of God's glory. So we don't have a lot of writings of St. Clair. We have four letters that she sent to Agnes, who was in another convent away from Italy. And in those letters, back and forth between Agnes and Claire, we got a pretty good idea about Claire's spirituality. And so this whole idea of the mirror, this, this song, by the way, is based on a text from one of those letters. Place your mind before the mirror of eternity. And what I really want to, I should have taken this, is, I love this. For those beloved of God, who's beloved of God here? All of us, right? And so we taste the hidden sweetness. That's the body of Christ that God has reserved from the start, from the beginning of time. This gift was to become and to be given to us. Uh, just remember the, the um, prologue of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And so it, from all eternity, God desired that we would have this experience, this wonderful experience of receiving the fullness of his love and his son. For those beloved of God. Brothers and sisters, if we believe that we're beloved of God, then when we receive the Eucharist, we are receiving love and we're receiving the love of God to be given out to the world. This is how Francis rebuilt the church. He built the church out of love. He reformed the church out of love. There were lots of mendicant orders around the time of Francis. Some of them were pretty wild, okay? They were not, they were, but because they weren't built on love, they were built on anger, they were built against. Francis was never against anything. Francis was for something. He was for that hunger to be in deep union with Jesus. And that's what attracted people to him. He did not intend to start an order. He just wanted to follow Jesus. And so people in Assisi, what happened? It's so exciting. It, when, when you read the history, it's so phenomenal what Francis was able to do. And we can. And we can. By example, by example, people were thinking, what? First they thought he was nuts. Okay? He left everything. He left his, I mean, he took his clothes off in front of the bishop and gave him back to his dad and said, and here's your name too. I don't want anything anymore. All I want to know is Jesus and my Father who is in heaven. That's pretty radical, and people thought he was a little bit loony, okay? But after a while, people started seeing the transformation, and they wanted 
desperately to be a part of that. So the, the young men of Assisi started joining Francis by the fives and the tens. And the same thing with Claire. After a while, her family wasn't too happy that she left, okay? A couple days later, her sister came. And a little bit later, so did his mother, her mother and her cousins. So, you know, it was like there was something going on that people wanted to be a part of. By the time Francis died, there were over 5,000 men in the community. And to say nothing of the Third Order, which is the, the lay community that... Um, there was the tens of that because of the body of Christ, because of Jesus, because of who Jesus is and who Jesus was for Francis. And you're saying to yourself, oh, what does this got to do with us here? What does this have to do with gathering here? Do we believe that Jesus can transform our lives? Can Jesus take the things that are not so good in our lives and make them good. Let me tell you a personal story. I have stage four, stage four um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I'm in treatment. When I found out that I was going to need chemotherapy and all the stuff that goes along with that, <clears throat> I can't tell you that I was a little not happy. There was a lot of not happy for a while, a couple days. And I had to ask myself, if I am a minister in the church, how am I going to respond to this in a way that I can be an example to the community? So I decided to be transparent. Lots of people would say, oh, don't, I don't want to tell anyone, I don't want anyone to know. Well, if I take this thing about being the body of Christ seriously, which I do, and if I'm out preaching that this is the body of Christ, which it is, then why would I not go to the body of Christ and say, look, folks, I am sick. I have cancer. Will you please pray for me? I need you to lift me up. I cannot do this alone. I simply cannot do it. And do you know what happened? I'm not going to say I was cured, because I'm not. But other people stepped forward and saying, I have cancer too. I need help. I need prayer. And so all of a sudden, the, the body of Christ was healing the body of Christ through prayer, through support. For me, it was chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> but the point is, God can transform and use anything for his good if we allow him. Even the darkest secret, even the worst thing in our life, even the most ugliest thing if we place it before the mirror of perfection God can transform it that's who we have for a God that's who we have as a savior that's who we have as the Lord of our lives isn't that marvelous isn't that wonderful I live on that I trust that people say you know how do you do what you do I don't worry about how sick I am I, I have people who've got my back and I, my, my suspicion is you will too. So I can go out and do stuff and not worry about whether, you know, I've lost my hair or, um, or whatever. I was telling my senior, it's like it's not just one thing. It's like there's always the domino effect, right? When you do chemo, for those of us who've experienced that, it's not just chemo. Then it's like 
you know, other things start falling apart because of it, well, you know, I mean, I can't say that I haven't had that. But the body of the Lord is our strength. Jesus is our strength. And I wrote a song called The Body of the Lord. We're going to use this tonight and probably on, t- on Tuesday as well. Um, <clears throat> it is um, a song for, about the Eucharist. Happy are those who find refuge in the Lord. Where else am I going to go with something so horrible as a, as a terminal illness? Who else can I go to? Who else can I go to when I've lost a loved one? Who else can I go to if I've lost uh, uh, my job or my marriage has fallen apart or whatever it could be? Who else is going to be my refuge if it's not Jesus? Right? So when we sing about the body of Christ, they're not little words to tickle our ears. We're singing truth to ourselves and for the sake of the community, maybe for those of us who are really struggling even say his name because we're in so much pain. But we can sing this together, okay? Take your body, 
following Jesus, Francis stripped himself of everything, not for the sake of doing it, not to say, oh, look how holy I am, I'm poor. Francis stripped himself of everything so nothing got in the way, sort of like the gospel today from, from um, Mass, right? What did Jesus say? That not to not let anything possess us, but to take up our cross Francis didn't want anything to possess him, and he didn't want to possess anything. If it was going to mean, it was going to take him away from Jesus. That's what the Evangelical Council of Poverty really is about. It's about letting nothing get in the way of the vision and the mind and the heart of the individual so they can be radically in love with Jesus. Does that mean that we don't have possessions? I'd be a liar. I have... I have an iPhone in my pocket that just jiggled while I was singing. But does, it, it's how the things that we use and we have, we allow, we use them as gift, or do they allow, we allow them to possess us? Do we need to have the latest agony, the latest thing that's out there, or can what we have suffice? Instead of having a one, a one watch, I need 25 to match my outfits. Just questions. I don't know how anyone could wear 25 watches on their arm, but you know, I, I don't know. The point is, you know, we look at Francis and we look at Claire and say, well, I can never be that way. Yes, you can. Yes, we can. Because it wasn't about the doing that was important. It was about the being. And the being was to be in love with Jesus. That's what it was about. And if we say we love Jesus, then Jesus is our all in all. Jesus is everything to us. I love the Gospels, especially the ones for Lent. The last three in cycle A, they're the greatest ones. They're like so ex I get really excited about it because we are reminded again about this wonderful God that we have. The story of the woman at the well, the blind man who is cured, and the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Powerful, powerful witnesses of God's love and mercy for the people. Jesus doing these things to show how much God loves his people. So I wrote a song about it. And I did that because, I mean, again, as a composer, writing is cathartic for me. So I was like, I'm, I was right, I just finished my first four rounds of chemo. And I was like hopeful, I was like, okay, we're done with this, okay? I mean, it was nasty and it's over. Now I can get back to life again. And um, so I wanted to write this because it, it really struck me because it was all happening around that time of Lent. 
And I was thinking about it you know, from the perspective of Francis and Claire, how they would have maybe looked at having gone through a storm. We all have storms, right? Anyone have a storm? Yeah. The church I belong to that still is my parish in Detroit, called Sacred Heart. It's a mixed community of, of black and white. And one of the great songs that we would sing is, The Storm is Passing Over. Hmm. I know, I hope that's okay. <laughs> yes, I am. You're from Detroit too, huh? Oh, okay, I'm from the west side, but that... <laughs> so I felt that. The storm is passed over. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I desire to know more. And so I put this song together using the three stories, um, plus the fact that we were doing a Linton something or another and they needed it. So I said, well, let me see what I can do, okay? But let's sing these words again. It's called Jesus, Lord. I'm skipping around because I don't want you to be here longer than an hour, hour and 15 minutes. So, because um, I know you need to get home, some need to go to work, some need to go to bed. Um, Jesus, Lord, our Redeemer, Son of God, giver of life, Lord of all, heal our darkness, you are God, bring us light. Let's sing that. Jesus, Lord, Shame and despair, Lord, give. 
So Mary, the mother of God. Francis had a great love for the mother of Jesus because she was the first vessel of the incarnation. She was the one who held Jesus in her arms, in her bosom. And so he declared that Mary was the mother of the order. Another personal story. I had a hard time, had a hard time with our Blessed Mother. I really didn't know who Mary was in terms of fitting into my spirituality, my understanding. You know, I was taught to pray the rosary, and I was taught about all the dogmas of the church, and I believe all of those and taken those in. But who is Mary for me? Who is Mary? So a couple years ago, Mary and I decided to have a year of discovery together. I did all that I could to find out who Mary was, the mother of God. I read documents and I read stories and even read it from different um, spiritual perspectives outside of even Christianity to understand who Mary was. And in trying to understand the incarnation, who is Jesus, how does this all fit together for me? Well, I, Mary and I have come to peace with each other. For me, Mary is the true disciple of Jesus. She's the one that points to Jesus and says, do whatever he tells you. Remember the little story in Canaan about at the wedding. And that burned deep in my heart. That burned deep in my heart. And as a Franciscan, it made sense. As a follower of Jesus, it makes total sense. I mean, why would I want to do anything else? If, he, if whatever he tells me, I should do that, right? Whatever Jesus says, whatever Jesus tells me to do, I should do. 
So Mary then becomes for me the model of discipleship, the model of obedience, listening to the Spirit, listening to God speak. Where should I go? What should I do? How should I minister? Who should I be? How can I become better? Do whatever he tells you. Makes the story so much more real for me. I mean, I like wine, don't get me wrong. But wine is not going to sustain me in eternal life. It didn't, and Francis knew that as well. Stuff wasn't going to sustain him in, in eternal life. What was going to was doing the will of God. That's why the scriptures and the gospel life was so important to him. So important to Claire. So I wrote a song in thanksgiving to our Blessed Mother for allowing me to wrestle with her and to find out who she really was for me. And I'd like to share that with you. And if you would sing the refrain with me, I would be grateful.
So tonight, we've unpacked a little bit of the story of Francis and Claire. We've looked at why the Franciscan community has come together, why Jesus is so important, why Jesus speaking at the cross saying, Do, Francis, go and rebuild my church, for you see it's falling down. And we've sung songs, some of the prayers even of Francis, my God and my all. Prayer of St. Teresa of Calcutta, small things with great love. Claire, asking us to put the mirror in front of us, to be that mirror of perfection. So what will we do? How will we allow Jesus to transform us? How will we build the church? How will we build a community outside of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton? How can we do it? Small things with great love. Do whatever he tells you. These are the things I would like us to remember from tonight's gathering. But before we go, I would like to do a blessing, and I want to tell you a little story about it. Now, see, Leo was a priest, and Leo loved Francis more than anything else except for Jesus. And he knew that Francis was dying. And Francis and Leo went through a lot together. Leo was present when Francis received the stigmata. I think what's wonderful is to see the seraphs because the story goes according to Leo, and again, these, there are legends and there are myths, and each one of those have some truth to them. But Francis received the stigmata two years before he died, and it was said 
that Francis was praying so ardently about Jesus and reflecting on the crucified Lord, that the Lord came to him in the form of a seraph. And when the seraph opened, the seraph's got six wings. Two they fly with, and I guess they cover with, I don't know what they do with the other two. I, I'm, not, I'm not an angelologist, so I'll let that just stay where it belongs. But the fact is that this, this image, this vision came to Francis. And then after it left, Francis had the marks of Jesus on his body, hands, feet, and side. And Leo was there. So Leo knew there was something about Francis that was extremely extraordinary, and he did not want to lose Francis. And Francis wasn't good to his body, and so he died rather, rather young. But before he died, Leo went to Francis and said, Francis, now, before you die, I want your blessing. And Francis said, little lamb, because that's what Francis called Leo, little lamb of God, bring me as a parchment and a pen. And so he brought those to Francis, and Francis scribbled down the prayer that we have there. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and give you peace. And he said, Francis, Francis said to Leo, now Leo, remember me whenever you see this paper and it was said again legend myth we're not sure that when leo finally died they found the parchment creased within his habit <coughs> that he kept it to his heart and you could see that it had been unfolded and unfolded numerous times so tonight we pray this blessing to one another in the words of Francis. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord keep you safe. Whatever the words are, I don't remember. That's why I have an iPad. <laughs> but then I'm going to ask us to be a blessing to someone else between now and tomorrow when we gather together again. Can we do that? Like I said, small things with great love. It doesn't have to be spectacular. We don't have to give them like all your money and stuff. Just a smile or opening a door. Let them know that Jesus loves them as much as you know that he loves you. How about if we stand? We've been sitting here for six years. God bless you and keep you. May God smile upon you and be merciful to you. May God turn his regards towards you and give you peace. May God sing that together. May God bless you and keep you. 
May God smile upon you and be merciful to you. May God turn his regards towards you and give you peace. May God bless you. One more time. May God bless you and keep you. May God smile upon you and be merciful to you. May God turn his regards towards you and sisters, it's been a quick hour or so. It's been wonderful to share time with you and to share music with you and stories. And as it says in the Liturgy of the Hours, may you go home and be peace. And may peace surround you and be with you.